Good morning. My name is Tim Rogers. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad to have you. Thanks for coming uh, here this morning. And if you're listening online later, thanks for listening online later. Uh, we're glad to have you whenever you're listening and whenever you're joining us at Grace Point. Um, uh, as we begin this morning, I invite you right away to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew near you. And uh, you can have that Bible if you don't own one. Uh, on those pages, you can look on either page 938 or page 737, 938 or 737, and you will find out where we're going to land in Matthew chapter 6 here in a moment. While you're turning there, I just want you to know that we will continue to share more information as it becomes present and available to us, but I want you to know that the, um, the cogs are in motion for some other initiative this summer and this year that we're working on in partnership with Keystone and Peckway Valley and the township and the factory as well, that we've had been having some kind of behind-the-scenes meeting, the meetings the past couple of weeks, had a great meeting with Keystone this week, um, met with the township this week, met with the school last week, meeting with the factory. So just kind of know that there are going to be initiatives that will be coming down the pike that we will get to you as soon as we know what's happening, um, what initiatives we're going to be involved in. We did Together 2012 last year. We're going to have some variation on that again this year. So just to kind of keep your, your awareness up, um, we'll get that out as soon as we have that, okay? Um, and all I have to say, just another underscore of what Pastor Joel already underscored, and that is if you are able to join us on the Bridges Out of Poverty training February 9. Um, that is a great time for us as a people to understand more about who, who we're ministering to, who we're connecting to, who are our peers in this community, and how do we think together as men and women. So if you're able, we invite you to sign up and join us there on February 9th. Okay? All right, enough of those prelims there. We are now back in a series called These Words. If you're just joining us, um, we are now, I believe, 11 parts into this series. We took a break for Christmas, and we're back now. And uh, this is a series that is, that is the setting, the context is a Sermon on the Mount. So if you can imagine Jesus speaking to a group of people who want to know who he is, and he's giving them these words. If you grew up in church at all, you heard this little kid song that, that, said, that goes, um, the, um, the wise man built his house on the rock, and the rains came down, the floods came up, but the house on the rock stood firm. And then... There's a foolish man to build his house on sand, and the rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the sand. Uh, you wanted to do that. I know you wanted to do that. And that's the deal. This is, this is a context for that right, right here. That we, Jesus is going to say it by the time we get to Matthew 7, that the house or the life that you're trying to build, whatever you're trying to do with your life, wherever you're trying to go, whatever your values are, your dreams, your visions, your plans, your hopes, whatever you're trying to build, whatever house that is, when the storms of life come, if your house is built on these words that he's speaking, that if you not just hear them, but if you do them, this is the difference between the rock and the sand people. Everyone hears the difference between those who have a strong foundation. is not that you were here on a Sunday morning, but that you did something about what you heard. Because everybody hears. The difference is in the doing. And so Jesus says, these words I give to you. And the people were amazed at his teaching because it was different than what they were used to. And it's so different that it really kind of cuts you to the core of who we are and how we see humanity, how we see the world, how we see the kingdom of God. And last week, here's where we were last week. Jesus is coming to these people and he tells them something that many of you have heard before. He says, where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. 
We said, if I want to find your heart, I look for your treasure. And then he went on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. And and if your eye is good, then you let light into your body. And if your eye is bad, you let darkness in. And then he goes on to say, and you can't serve both God and money. And so last week we talked about this principle, that generosity should define our financial strike zones. As we think about how, how do I see my money and my stuff, and I gave this illustration of T-ball and teaching our little kids to have a good eye, that a good eye biblically means that I'm generous and I'm single-minded on that generosity. And I told you last week, my default, right, my default strike zone is savings. When I'm thinking about resources, I tend to think if a an opportunity comes down the pike, I'm going to swing at savings. I'm always looking to save, 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 and build up for a rainy day. I'm looking to save. But Jesus says, hey, if you have a good eye, the good eye sees the strike zone as generosity, not, first of all, savings. And here's the deal with with all these things that Jesus gives us. He speaks to this world, an ideal world. He's kind of over here. He's speaking in the kingdom language. Ideally, this is where we should be, right? He says things in in chapter 5. Like, hey, you've heard it said that, um, that murder is bad and, and wrong. But I'm telling you, if you're just angry with somebody, you've already committed murder in your heart against them. Like, seriously? Like, we are all death row people then because we are all guilty. And, and adultery, bad. But yes, just having a lustful thought, you've already committed adultery in your heart. All right? Guilty. So we, we find ourselves listening to Jesus, and he's speaking on these ideals, and we find ourselves living, though, in this real world over here. We're over here. It's like, man, I, yes, I've, I've had a lustful thought, and, and, and yes, I've, I've been angry, and no, I don't always swing at generosity. In fact, I often, I often swing at savings. I just do that. And so in this space in between is where we've said we have room to grow, that living in this Tension and always keeping Jesus' ideals, the kingdom ideals out here, is the place for us to move from where we really are, what we fight against, into and through this growth period over here. Because here's the deal. If you were here last week or you're hearing this for the first time, this idea that generosity is our financial strike zone is just hard. Because here's what you're thinking. If you really let this sink in, really let this filter down, your first concern, and mine is, is this too, because Jen and I, well, we've lived on a budget for 15 years ever since we got married, and we regularly, we regularly, annually, and a couple times a year, we'll sit down and we'll review our finances. We'll look at where are we going, what's our plan, where are we saving, what needs to be tweaked, how much are we spending here in this category and that category, and how much can I spend on my biking, I mean, really, you know. So we look at all this stuff, right? And I'm always thinking, okay, am I going to have enough? Are we going to have enough? I mean, you, you lay it out for anything. Am I going to have enough? And you start with the necessities, right? You start with the mortgage. You start with the house. You, you go on to food. You go on to clothes. And then you start thinking, okay, am I going to have enough for kids' education? Am I, am I going to have enough when the car breaks down? Am I going to have enough when I have a medical bill that I'm not ready for? Am I going to have enough when the washer goes? Am I, goes? Am I going to have enough? And if we're really honest and we think about where we really, really are, this concept of generosity as my financial strike zone, it, it goes against the grain of what I do by default. But if I, if I do that, what about my, my kids? And if I do that, what about my future? And if I do that, 
Who's going to look out for my medical expenses? And if I do that, what about my hobby that I want to develop? And if I do that and I think about it this way, then what about and what about college? And what about getting married? And what about the house? And what about the vacation? And what about early retirement? Because if I live that way, I, mm, I'm not going to have enough. And so Jesus, speaking right on the heels of that, says in Matthew chapter 6, where you find yourself now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. First word is what? Therefore. Therefore. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore. In other words, in light of this reaction to my teaching, which you're going to have. Like, this doesn't seem realistic. This seems so idealistic, and I'm going to struggle with that. Therefore. Therefore. I tell you. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? And I would say, uh, yes. Okay, good, good question, good setup question. Is not life more important than, than food and clothes? I mean, who among us here would say, uh, no, you know, that about covers it. That's really it. I mean, life is about clothes. Yeah. Some of us might live that way sometimes. But no, no, serious. Life is more, right? I mean, who among us would be so shallow to say, to answer Jesus' question here, isn't life more important than food and clothes? Um, no. Right? No, no one would say that, right? We would all know that life, whatever it is, is more important than food and clothes. There's such a depth of meaning to life beyond that. But yet, it's not less than that, is it? And here's where I would want to argue with Jesus and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, life is more than that, but it's not less than that. Right? I need, I need clothes for survival. I could not survive this past week without that. Forget decency, right? Just survival. It's freezing outside. I need food. And if I don't, I'll die. So life might not be more than that, but Jesus, listen, it's not less than that. Like, if I don't have that, I'm gone. Right? And so, so he comes back and he's like, all right, all right, all right. Here, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. Look, 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 look at the birds of the air. And by the way, we miss this in the English, but the, this word behind look means, and here's what I do. When I think of that, look at the birds of the air, it's like, oh, there goes a bird. I, I kind of know what a bird is. When I think about birds, I mostly think, did I wash the car recently? And I don't want to park under a tree. That, that's really the extent of my bird thoughts. But, but he's saying, look at the birds. And the word look means study, slow, meditate, think, stop. Think with me for a minute. Meditate on. Pause your life to think and look. Look at the birds, all right? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Is the question. Verse 27. So, he says, all right. I know, I know that you need, you need life is more than food or clothes. 
But look at the birds of the air. They don't do the work of sowing. They, they don't do the work of reaping or harvesting. They just steal. Implication? God provides for them. And are you not, are you not of greater value? And then he asks this question that cuts right into us because it gives us the reason why we worry in the first place. Who of you by worrying can add a single, what? Hour to your life. In other words, can, can worrying be a value add to your life? And, and to be honest, this is why we worry. Because I think I can control something that I can't. I think somehow when I'm, when I'm worrying, okay, I, I, have, I have come and we've been, you've been in this stage of life at different times, but you're looking at a financial thing and you're worrying about it. I don't have enough for it. What if I don't have enough? And so I'm going to worry. You realize that you're out of control. You, you are out of control. I'm out of control. The only thing I can control is my response to it. So I'm going to think about it. I'm going to worry about it because it gives me something to control. And I think somehow it's really odd and off that I think somehow that by worrying about it, I can add something of value to my life. And that is I can get a sense back of control. And he says, listen, you want to worry about it? Who of you by worrying can have a, how can that be a value add of any kind to your life? And, and here's what worry is. Worry is essentially this. Worry is a choice to live in fear. Worry is this choice to live in fear. It's to say, listen, God, I know, I know, I know that you say you're going to, the birds of the air thing, right? I know they live and I, you know, I, I understand that birds of the air, you take care of them, right? But but listen, right now, if I give my stuff, if I'm generous right now, if I live that way, the kingdom principle, this ideal, if I live that way, here's what's going to happen. My kids aren't going to have the same things the other kids are going to have. I may not date like other people date. Man, I may not be able to have the four-wheeler like others do. I'm not going to get the truck like I want to get the truck. I'm not going to go to college the way others go to college. What about my retirement? What about my second home? What about, what about, what about? I'm going to, boom, I'm going to live in fear. And I'm going to run out. And this is exactly what worry is. It's a conscious choice to say, God, I can't, I can't trust you right now. So I'm going to choose to live in fear. That feels good and right. Because I can control it. I can control as much as I think about it. I can control this part of it. And then Jesus is like, okay, you have fun with that? And let me know when you've added an hour to your life by worrying. Let me know when that has helped you. Let me know when that served you well. Who of you, by worrying, by living in the fear of what I won't have, can add anything to your life? Because worry is a choice. I'm going to live in fear now. Then he goes on. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of 
little faith or of great worry. So, okay, I get it, Jesus. All right, birds of the air, they don't do much and you take care of them. I get it. Lilies, they don't really have a future. They have a really short lifespan. And yet they're beautiful beyond my ability. I mean, can you imagine creating a lily out of nothing? You didn't have another lily to mimic. You just created out of nothing. And this is what God did. And he provides this great, beautiful flower and plant for us to enjoy. And he gives that and he says, hey, don't forget, you're going to live a little longer than those guys. And you're a little more important to me than a lily. And look what I did for that. I'll do this for you. All right, all right. All right. I get it, Jesus. I get it. All right, verse 31. So here's his principle, right? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Okay, this is fair. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not, all right, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to live in this ideal. You're, you're giving me another ideal. Don't live there. And then what he says next in verse 32 that we're going to read in just a minute, so don't read it yet, cheaters. Don't read that yet. This, this next verse where Jesus goes next, to me, is a life changer concept. To me, what he says next is the kind of idea and the kind of concept that if you and I were actually to believe this, all right, if we were actually to say, yeah, this is true, this is right, we were to actually be over here in the real, and when we're trying to make decisions about, man, could I be generous or not? Can I, can I live that way or the kingdom? Can I really do that? And I think right away, but no, I'm a saving strike zone guy. Like, it's savings is my default, and I have a choice to make. And I'm, but I'm thinking about, boy, what about the washing machine? And what about my kids' savings for college? And what about my kids for uh, getting ahead in their class? And, and what about my health and the, the medical bills that I have? And what about I got laid off? What am I going to do? I got laid off. And what about my, my marriage and that, the impact that has on, on our finances and, uh, and our rent payments? I mean, what about all those things? And I, I'm, I'm tempted, not only tempted, I'm just bombarded constantly to think, God, I, I'm worried I don't see how this is going to work out. And what Jesus says next is one of those life-changer concepts that if we would allow it to sink into our hearts in those greatest moments where we feel the most out of control, it can absolutely change how you live and the quality of your life. It'll change your perspective on your God. And on the role that he wants to play in your life. And check out what Jesus says next. Verse 32. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. You might be thinking, is that it? Is that it? What part of that verse am I supposed to, you know, really be a life changer kind of thing? Many go to the following verse, verse 33, which many of you have heard before. It's turned into a song or two within the Christian world. That is, seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But verse 32 is, to me, the crux of the issue. He says, for even the pagans run after this. And pagans does not mean people who are godless, but it's people who have the wrong gods. Okay? Pagans are not people who don't believe in God. They just believe in the wrong gods. So they'll believe in Artemis, they'll believe in Zeus, the gods of sexuality or the god of of strength and might. Those are pagans, those who believe in the wrong gods. 
and worship and follow those. And even people like that who don't believe in the God of the Bible will follow after these things. So, so if this is your choice of life, then you're following after the wrong things. And then he says, your heavenly Father, what? Knows. Right? Look at it there in the text. And your heavenly Father, what? Knows. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And what about, what about, what about my marriage? <laughs> what, what about the money I need for the... What about my job and I don't know where I'm going? And what about now that I've graduated college or going to college? What a, Your heavenly Father knows. About 16 years ago, when Jen and I were dating, she doesn't know I'm going to tell this story right now. This is going to be fun. Um, we had been dating for about a year, and I thought it was a, a good idea at that time to break up with her. It, we had, our relationship had gotten to the point where we knew that um, you don't date forever, right? You, you don't want to be 90 years old and still be dating, right? Um, I mean, you, you want to date while you're married, but you understand what I'm saying. So we wanted, we, we knew, and, and I felt this, this kind of growth, and you know, it kind of came to that point of decision, like what are we going to do and what's going to happen in our relationship? And so I decided the best idea would be to break up. Dumb idea, right? So, so I, I'm like, we just, we just need a break. Um, I need a break. I don't know if we need a break. I need a break. Um, I don't really want a break, but I, I'm confused. I, I was just not sure what to do next. Um, so I said, ah, we, need, we need to be done for now. And at that moment, all right, we just need to live in that moment for a minute. In that moment, neither Jen nor I knew what was next. It's all 2020. Now, but in that moment, we're, we're kind of lost. And she goes home. And I wasn't there for this. And she goes home and um, is, a, is a wreck with, with her mom and dad. And as she would, would tell it, and I wasn't there for it, but as she would tell it, she's crying and, you know, and all that. And, and uh, saying, you know, he broke up with me. And, and the image I get, the picture I get is of nonchalant dad with the newspaper. <laughs> Hardly even looking up, saying, he'll be back. <laughs> and a week later, I was back. And a week later, I was back, and the rest is history. And you know what? Dad knows, right? Parents know things that kids don't know. Isn't that true? Kids look at the world, and no matter how smart you are and beautiful you are and strong you are, your perspective is limited, and you can't see what someone more seasoned sees. Right? And this is what Jesus says to us. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. 
He knows. You, right now, you don't know if you're getting back together or not. You can't see it. But I know. I'm the dad. And this, to me, is the life changer. But God, what about, what about, what about, what about, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen in my work. I'm going to get laid off. I am laid off. I can't make rent payment. I can't make mortgage. I don't know if I'm going to get married. I want to. I don't know what's going to happen with my kids, and, and, and they're doing things that I don't like, and what's their future look like, and I wish my marriage were stronger, and it's not, and we don't talk about things the way we should, and, and God, my retirement is not what it used to be, and I lost money on this business deal. Don't you know I lost so much money, and it's going to take me months and months to recover. I lost the bid on this job, and what's going to happen? Your heavenly Father knows And if you and I can settle in, can settle in on that truth, everything else, everything else comes into perspective, doesn't it? And this is where Jesus goes next. But seek first his kingdom and seek first, verse 33, his righteousness. And all these things will be added or given to you as well. And who wouldn't want to seek and pursue a heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to his children? See, if worry is this choice to live in fear, trust is this choice to live in the fear of God. Say, so he's, my, he's my heavenly father. It doesn't make any sense. The ideal is hard to live in, but between the real over here and the ideal over here, I'm going to grow on this issue right now. I'm going to say, God, I trust you. I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but I know that I'm the kid and you're the father. And I'm going to trust you on this. And then he says, to end it, therefore, verse 34, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, what are we saying this morning? I just want to be clear briefly here because some may get off on this angle and I don't want you to. I want to say again what we're not saying, what Jesus is not saying in this is um, when you are facing um, financial problems or facing work shortage or facing whatever, what we're not saying is to be lazy. Some would say, oh yeah, look at the birds of the air. They don't even work and they get fed they get provided for. And the lilies, they don't do anything, so maybe I shouldn't do anything. And just I'm going to sit here and trust God and take no action. That's not the point. Even birds, as Martin Luther would say, even birds, they get fed, I mean, they, they, they eat, but they, God doesn't put the food in their beaks. <laughs> they go find it. They work. They work to get what they have. And so this is not an issue about not working. It's rather an issue of not worrying, is what this, the point is, okay? So what we are saying is that this, Dad knows. Your, your dad. Your heavenly father. Some of us might struggle to say that about our, our God, but dad, dad knows. Your heavenly father knows. His perspective is bigger than ours. His perspective is bigger. I want you to imagine what it could be like for you. As you're, you're coming this morning, you're in this season of life, 
and you've just been working some things over, God, I don't know how this is going to work out with my family, God, I don't know how it's going to work out with my job, I don't know how it's going to work out with, with my neighbors, I don't know how it's going to work out with my girlfriend or boyfriend, I don't know how it's going to work out in school with the people who don't like me and I don't really like them, I don't know how this is going to work out with the money, I just don't have enough, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. Imagine what it would be like to go to bed tonight and, and move from the real world that you live in to say, God, I want to live in this trust over here, but it seems so idealistic, I don't know how to do it. And I, I want to move, I want to move from my worry. I want to move from rehashing the situations, from worrying about the details. I want to move over to this ideal of trusting you. But I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it. How do, how do I grow? How do I grow in the space between the real and the ideal? And this morning, I want to give you that, that chance right here, this morning, to just kind of edge into it a little bit more, to kind of nudge yourself through this. We're going to have in a moment, um, we're going to have the worship team come up here. Actually, worship team, why don't you guys come on up now if you can. And while they're, they're coming up here, here's what I would invite for you to do. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to play through a new song that was played during the offering this morning. It's a song called Cornerstone. Many of you are familiar with it. Um, you're familiar with the words that used to, these words came from the solid rock. And if we can throw the words up here on the screen, uh, Tim, uh, that would be great. Here's the, uh, the, the beginning. We're going to do verse, chorus, verse, chorus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy what? Yeah, there's a fight between lean and trust. Lean is the words we're used to. Trust is the new word in this case. But holy lean or holy trust in Jesus' name. Now, as the worship team is going to lead us through a couple verses of this, they're going to sing this. Here's what I would invite you to do in your heart. I I would invite you to ask the Spirit of God to search your heart and mind. And you know what? Honestly, for some of you, for, for most of us, there's not a lot of searching that needs to be done. We're just worried about a lot of things, and it's just right there. I don't need to search hard to find it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. I see it right here. And so here's this opportunity to say, I want to grow, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to confess that, that sin of saying, I am in control, and I'm going to control this. I want you to, to confess that to God and say, God, I, forgive me for trying to control this part of my life. Forgive me for thinking that I ever was in control and that I deserve a savings box or I deserve to have this and that I deserve... Forgive me for that. I want to wholly trust in your name. I want to wholly trust because we know the battle between the real and the ideal is always going to be, are you going to step into the fear? Are you going to worry and choose to live in fear? Or are you going to trust and choose to live in the fear of God? To trust that he's in control. So as the worship team plays, you can close your eyes, you can keep them open, you can just reflect on the words, you can sing them in your heart, but you can also use this time of meditation as a time to ask the Spirit of God to kind of go through you and say, God, I want to be the kind of man and woman who trusts you, but I need your help and growth. And after a couple of verses, they're going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing this out and let's sing it. Let's sing it with vigor and enthusiasm when we sing as kind of a a confession to God that He 
he's in charge and we're not.
Father, we come to you this morning, and this song says that we want to trust in in you as the cornerstone. Father, we need your help. We need to be reminded that you know the things that we feel so lost about. And we know that you haven't promised that, that today we'll have no trouble because you remind us that each day has enough trouble of its own. So you don't promise that our troubles will go away, but you give us someone to trust who knows and who cares, who is our Heavenly Father. So Father, give us the courage as we go from here to just nudge a little bit toward growth to your ideal that we do not live in worry and fear that we face the great unknowns with certainty and confidence in you help us to remember that you know everything pray this in Jesus name Amen. guys thank you for being here this morning you're an encouragement to me love you guys be blessed have a great week